0: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett.
1: On this episode, real-life stories of near-death and out-of-body experiences.
2: The next time that I tried to astral project, I couldn't do it, couldn't leave my body, and so I just ended up going to sleep, and it was like the next day. I mean, it was like the gates of hell opened.
1: Hey, check out the huge selection of Strange Planet merchandise in my online shop, Go to strangeplanet.ca and click on Shop in the menu or find the link in the episode notes for this podcast. At my Strange Planet shop, you'll find unique men's, women's, unisex t-shirts and athletic shirts, leggings, tote bags, mugs, neck gaiters and stickers and more, all emblazoned with amazing artwork designed exclusively for my Strange Planet shop by artist-illustrator Rick Forgas. If you're a fan of Strange Planet, why not show it off? Go to strangeplanet.ca and click on shop. Or go to the episode notes for this podcast and click on the link. It's a strange planet. Dress for it.
0: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption. And the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett.
1: Welcome to your Wednesday. Josh Peck is one of the co-authors of a new book which examines near-death experiences, neuroscience, quantum physics, and the increasing evidence... For life after death, Josh is an avid researcher of fringe topics, videographer at Skywatch TV, creator of the Sharpening Report, host of Into the Multiverse, and the author of numerous books including Abaddon Ascending, co-authored with best-selling author Tom Horn; Quantum Creation, Does the Supernatural Lurk in the Fourth Dimension, and Cherubim Chariots, Exploring the Extra-Dimensional Hypothesis. Josh specializes in scientific studies such as quantum physics to explain paranormal phenomena experienced around the world. He's been featured on TV and radio shows, including Skywatch TV and the Hagman and Hagman Report. He is the co-author, along with Donna Howell and Ali Anderson-Henson of Afterlife. Hey, Josh, welcome back to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you?
2: I'm doing great, Richard. Thank you so much for having me back mm-hmm. on.
1: As Christians, there's not a lot of resources for us to uh, access in terms of what happens to us in the moments just before death, during death, in the moments after death. Does the Bible shed any light on that?
2: Yes, it does. And and you're absolutely right. Um especially within Christianity, near death experience research is not a commonly investigated phenomenon. and In fact, the, the research in total uh, usually falls into one of two camps, one of two interpretations. Either NDEs or near-death experiences are just a physical function of the dying brain and nothing more. That's the secular interpretation. Or NDEs show that there's life after death, it's pleasant for everyone, minus a few outliers that are usually kind of ignored. That's more of like the New Age interpretation. So when it Comes to uh, near-death experiences, if there is something to show the spirituality of it, um, it's it's typically more on the New Age side. Whether people uh, agree with that interpretation or not, um, I I personally don't for several reasons. So I'm I'm a Christian myself, and so I had questions about near-death experiences. You know, why isn't there a well-known Christian response to the near-death experience question? Um, I also wondered, is there objective evidence of near-death experiences being real and not just a, a trick of the mind? Uh, do near-death experiences play any role in, understand, in our understanding of heaven and hell from a Christian perspective? And does anyone experience anything during a near-death experience that would be outside of their previous knowledge? And that, the, the answer to that really surprised me. And then lastly, I wondered, Do uh, why? do near-death experiences seem to support universal uh salvation i know there are some people who are christians and they believe in universal salvation i'm not personally one of those i take a more literal approach to biblical interpretation so uh when the bible talks about heaven and hell i believe that that's what it's talking about heaven and hell. and so um when i first started research for this project for the book afterlife Initially, I found um, basically, like I said, those two camps. There was a lot of New Age stuff, uh, and and a lot of that tried to, you know, explain like what the soul is. Uh, and New Age is incredibly popular in the world. They have their own views on what the soul is. But I, I think by and large, in modern day, kind of popular mainstream Christianity, there's a lot of confusion to what the soul is what near death experiences are and a lot of a lot of christians whether they know it or not are actually actually end up borrowing from New Age interpretation, which again, I mean, people can believe that or not believe it, but many people will will have these views and, and uh, thinking that they're Christian views and they're not. So I, I think because of that, because of the the New Age interpretation that kind of gets uh, latched onto this topic, I think that's why a lot of Christians stay clear. Of of the topic altogether, if they if they're kind of turned off by the new age stuff, then they'll they'll steer clear of it. So that'll be a lot of uh, people in like teaching positions or or pastors. Uh, and the Christians that do want to know about it or do research in it, typically, they get this new age stuff maybe without realizing that it is actually new age. So I, I think that explains the dichotomy there that we see and why is there why there's such a lack of just good, solid, biblical, uh, but also scientific uh, research into this area. Because w- when I first started looking into it myself, I found this uh, challenge as well. You know, I, I looked into it, well, everything I'm seeing, is either New Age or it's uh, only scientific and it's denying everything spiritual. So that, that when I first looked into it, that was when I decided, you know, this really needs to be a book because um, I, I couldn't find one that looked into it the way I wanted to, the, the, from a Christian perspective, but also that gave credence to a scientific... Um, uh, interpretations like objective evidence, but also did not shy away from some of the uh, some of the experiences that seem to conflict with uh, Christian interpretations of the Bible. And I think that's another reason Christians stay away from it. Some people do claim uh, near death experiences that totally conflict with what the Bible says, and instead of running away from those, I wanted to confront those and see what's going on, why that. Uh, why those uh, conflictions are there and if there's uh, if, if there's an answer an underlying reason that can explain both the Christian interpretation and the new age or the uh, uh, near-death experience
1: near the beginning of the book afterlife you talk about the research by a dr. McDougall which gets us into this discussion of trying to to find uh, objective evidence for, the afterlife. And this has to do with a question relating to the existence of the soul and whether it has mass. Tell me about Dr. McDougall.
2: Yeah, so uh, the book the book has three authors, uh, myself, Allie Anderson-Henson, and Donna Howell. And I believe uh, Allie wrote the chapter on that. She did all the research. But from what I could uh, gather from it, basically a, a while ago, there was this doctor who was performing um, experiments that would be, I guess, considered, uh, you know, they, they, they wouldn't really be accepted today, but he would he would put like a dying, of course, he would do it, you know, with their consent, but he would put a, a patient who was about to die, you know, on a scale, weigh them, and then weigh them again after they passed on. And he noticed that at the moment of death, there was a few grams missing. And so the the dichotomy between that is how do we interpret that? Do, is that existence of the soul or is it existence of some biological process that we're not aware of and so even today um opinions are split on that there there are some who say that his experiments were faulty uh for various reasons some even go as far as to say that um he he like manufactured these uh conclusions on purpose i i don't necessarily believe that but but uh and then others will go on the other extreme and say, well, this is definitely proof of the soul and it basically can't be anything else. Um, and the, where, where I come from, it, and I, I talk about it a little bit later in the book, um, I come from more of a, a quantum physics background and extra-dimensional type, type of things. And I, I do believe the soul exists. I believe that it is extra-dimensional and I believe because of that, it can and does a small amount, a very small amount, affect gravity in our uh, three dimensions of space. You know, e- extra-dimensional material, quantum physicists will tell you, that um, extra-dimensional matter, uh, gravity can basically traverse uh, dimensions. So uh, it's sort of like in the movie Interstellar, if people uh, remember that that movie. That, that was actually based on um, an underlying... Scientific principle that's true: uh, gravity can tra- traverse uh, dimensions. So when we think about the soul, if it is extra dimensional, and um, and I and I believe that there's good evidence that it is. But if if it is, and when we die, and and our soul leaves our body, we should expect that that shift in gravity, that very slight shift in gravity, to be there. That could explain McDougall's. Uh, experiments. There are other biological things that, that could explain it, too. But as far as I know, as far as today, I don't think it's been uh, proven one way or another what what was really going down. And, and because of the current culture in, in just these types of things, nobody has repeated the experiment. It's, it's not going to be that type of experiment wouldn't be as accepted today as as it was back in his his time. Uh, So chances are those experiments, unless they're done in some other country where they think differently about these things, uh, chances are those experiments here in America aren't going to be repeated. So we, we actually may never know.
1: I believe the findings of Dr. McDougall's research suggest that the soul weighs something like 21 grams. Yes. Some recent research suggesting that there is brain activity in humans up to 10 minutes after physical death. What does that suggest? What, what is the importance of that?
2: Oh, yeah, it's incredibly important, because um, that that's something that we need to take into account, too. Because even though, you know, I'm a Christian, I sort of have a bias. I, I, well, not sort of, I just do have a bias towards heaven and hell. Uh, but at the same time, I don't want that Bias to allow me to interpret data wrong. So there is uh, brain brain function after what we call physical death. Uh, but you know, even the term physical death is kind of it's sort of subject subjective. Like when when do we when do we draw that line? And it's it's usually at brain death or something like that. Um, so, some some will say it's at, at uh, cardiac death, uh, but regardless how we look at it, the way that it's defined today, um, there does seem to be brain activity after death. Now, again, some people would say, well, then that's not really death. You know, fair enough. In the in the ancient days, like the ancient uh, Hebrews would wait three days after, after somebody, you know, was found dead. Uh, after three days, they would say, okay, he's like actually dead for real now. Uh, so may, maybe that's the right way to look at it. But e- either way, there there does there there is this brain activity now what can that brain activity do you know that's the big question can it Uh, is the person aware? Is the person who's going through the death process, are they aware during all that time? Because there are unconscious people that have brain activity as well. Sometimes uh, they wake up out of a coma not remembering anything. Sometimes they wake up out of a coma, like my my wife, she had an experience like this when she was uh, a teenager. Uh, She had a uh, she was in a coma for a long time, a horrible car accident, and her story is actually in the book as well, but she came out of the coma remembering a lot of things, like remembering uh things that people would say as they came into the room um, and while she was non-responsive so uh it, it seems to vary case by case there was this amazing story that we put in the book um about this woman named uh maria she had a cardiac arrest rushed to the hospital and basically she she died she Um, Well, you know, she survived later and she told the story. But she said that after the cardiac arrest, when the doctors were trying to save her life, she actually felt herself die. She felt herself leave her body. And she actually said that she was able to like think herself up like she was able to move up by by just thinking it. So she moved, she was moving up through the hospital and, uh, she got to one of the top, one of the top floors. Um, and I believe it was the third floor maybe. And she got to one of the top floors where there weren't any other patients. This was like a, a space in the hospital that wasn't being used at the time. And she looked, uh, out a window in one of these unused rooms and saw on the outside of the windowsill, this little child's shoe. And she she thought, oh, that's odd. I wonder how that got up there. And then uh, shortly after that, she, the the doctors were able to revive her. She she you know came back to life, you know, so to speak. And um, so then a while later, she had a uh, a caseworker uh, for this uh, named uh, Kimberly Clark, a social worker for this hospital. And People can look this up. It was uh, Har- Harbor View Hospital. We put the whole story in the book. Um, but uh, that, that's where this Maria woman was admitted. And so as part of the customary follow-up, Clark visited her and uh, Maria related her out-of-body experience floating up above the hospital. Um, And in addition to describing Maria's uh, perspective by looking down on her body, because that was something else that she saw than rising through the uh, building, Clark actually recorded, quote, Maria proceeded to describe being further distracted by an object on the third floor third-floor ledge on the north end of the building. She thought her way up there and found herself eyeball-to-shoelace with a tennis shoe, which she asked me to find for her, end quote. So this is actually recorded in uh, in her notes. So she... Uh, Maria was begging this this social worker to go go check, go, go up there, go look, uh, and see, see if it's there, you know, because Maria wanted to know if she was crazy or not. So um, the investigator, uh, the social worker, Clark, she went and checked, and sure enough, the shoe was there, and there was even another investigator that came and checked, because they heard the story, came and checked later, uh, the shoe was still there because nobody took it down, and that investigator, who was, uh, I believe he was trying to debunk this story, um, found out that where the shoe was placed, there was no way that Maria could have su- could have seen the shoe coming into the hospital. Um, it was in an area of the building she would have had no access to as she was being rushed to the hospital. Uh, there, Even if she got out of bed and explored the hospital herself, that area in the hospital was totally closed off. There just was no way for her to have that information. So what's interesting about that is what... As, as as much as we know about the brain, what brain what brain activity can't do, at least as far as we know, is it can't provide us with information that we don't observe that we, we don't we don't take in somehow by some natural means. So, you know, you might say an unconscious person can hear a doctor talk and then maybe the brain is creating some visuals around that uh, around hearing that. and and that's the memory of, of being able to see and hear the doctors while they're unconscious, you know, maybe but as far as something like this there was no way for her to have access to that information uh, nobody knew that shoe was there it had been there for for years um, and she came back with information she couldn't have otherwise gathered. And, and believe it or not, that's actually just one small example. There have been people, and we recorded in the book, there have been people that have been able to come back and actually explain. Th- these are people with no quantum physics background. You know, like most people, most people uh, don't don't know anything about that, and that's fine. You know, most people have jobs and they don't have time to to dig into that kind of stuff. But they'll come back. With this knowledge of extra dimensions and how how they operate and how they look and how it was h- how it feels to be in these extra dimensions that they could not have known unless they experienced it and they're just relaying what they experienced because a lot of even pulp, uh, uh, pop culture gets extra dimensions wrong. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of mistakes that are made just because they want to you know they want to tell a good story and they don't want to get bogged down in the details, um, but they're not relaying things that they've heard from movies. Uh, they're actually relaying uh, like uh, uh, top of the line expert research into quantum physics and these are you know just regular people mailmen construction workers people without any background in this so how can the how can the brain the the, the, the ten minutes of extra brain function that a person might get how can it create all that from nothing and then actually be true and be be correct so that that was something that we wanted to explore in the book. I, I think that lends more credibility to the idea. This is a real experience. These people who are having ne- near death experiences. It's not a trick of the mind. Uh, at least not always. There might be some cases where that happens, but not always. There there is at least a percentage of people who really do leave their bodies. They really do uh, experience extra dimensions, uh, and when they come back, they really do tell us about it.
1: How does that fit into a Christian narrative, an out-of-body experience, as, as separate from an, a near-death experience, where mine, one might get a glimpse of heaven, but not all OBEs involve a near-death experience. So how does an OBE fit into the, the Christian narrative?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So if it's basically the short answer is if it's involuntary, if you just can't help it, then it happens, and there's really nothing you can do about it. There's no, there's no sin there. Now, in, uh, in according to the Bible, things like uh, forced OBEs, or, or we might call it astral projection. So I, I actually came out of New Age. I was a uh, years and years ago. I was a big time New Ager, uh, and I was really like obsessed. I, I would say addicted. Uh, to astral projection and um, uh, having these voluntary out-of-body experiences and that kind of thing um, is expressly uh, it's it's forbidden in the Bible now it doesn't say specifically don't astral project but it does speak out against things like uh, sorcery witchcraft and uh, communicating with uh, other other spirits trying to contact the dead loved ones you know all, all of these things um, that could be wrapped up in the out of body experience, depending what somebody's after and, and what their particular experience is. But but when it comes to those types of spiritual things, the basic biblical principle is, um, if, if you want if you want some kind of spiritual gift, you have to ask God's permission because that's His domain. If He gives you permission, and and he, then He He will control that. Like if it's a gift of the Holy Spirit, if gift if. Uh, if God decides that He wants to um, give you a prophetic word and, and tell you, you know, okay, go tell so and so this is going to happen to them, and and they need to know about that. Well, then that's fine. That is God giving you a message. It's it's God controlling it. But if we go out of our way to try to um, to try to uh, do that ourselves through divination or um, astrology or or something like that, where we're taking control of things that are supposed to be God's, that that's where it falls into source and witchcraft, and that's uh, sinful uh, according to the Bible and it's not because god doesn't want us to have any fun you know it's it's not that it's just that is a realm that we are woefully unprepared to deal with and there are dangers there that we we can't understand as human beings being three dimensional and existing in one dimension of time um there is just dangers that we we can't comprehend i mean it's it's sort of like telling your uh child don't touch the stove because there's a danger there if the stove is on you could burn your hand well if the Child goes and touches the stove anyway, and burns his hand. Then uh, it's not like the 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 uh, parent is punishing the child by having his hand burned. It's just that's a, that's a consequence. That's the danger. So in the same way, God warns us about these dangers in in you know the spirit realm, the astral realm, how whatever we want to call it. Um, but uh, the, the according to the Bible, you, there's. There's nothing in the Bible to suggest that out of body experiences aren't real. Uh, you know, you the, the way it's explained, one of my favorite explanations of this is God doesn't typically uh, make rules around something that doesn't exist. You know, he's not going to tell you to do something if or, or he's not going to tell you to not do something if it's impossible to do it. So, you know, it, it like don't don't communicate with the dead. Well, if it weren't possible to do that, then why would he say not to do it? So you know th- those kind of questions go around. What, what typically happens? The only kind of contradiction there is is uh, with with modern mainstream kind of interpretations of the Bible, because there's a lot of Christians that just believe because this is kind of how the Bible is interpreted in mainstream Christianity today. That um, that these things just aren't real. That you know ghosts aren't real or uh, astral projection isn't real, and. I think that actually does damage to Christians because I remember when I was in new age, um, I had Christians telling me that it wasn't real. And I was thinking, man, these guys are are stupid. I, I know it's real. So I'm not going to listen to anything they have to say because they don't know what they're talking about. You know, I've, I, I know it's real. I experienced it. Um, I've, I've tested it myself. Uh, but, so you get a lot of Christians that just deny this stuff when in reality there is a biblical answer to this. Uh, there is a spirit world and we do have uh, a soul. We do have a spirit of our own. Um, but, and I believe that this is because of the fall of Adam there, there's a separation there between the physical and the spiritual for the time being. There's a separation there that until we, uh, you know, submit to God, get our glorified bodies, you know, until we pass from this life by rapture or death, whatever people want to believe on that, uh, we're not permitted to enter into that realm because we're just simply not ready for it. Uh, And so I I don't believe that there is an actual, like real contradiction there. It's, It's mostly on modern interpretation.
1: More of my conversation with Josh Peck when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. Try the tea everyone's talking about. Nothing does what Life Change Tea does. They have no competition. Life Change Tea helps support a healthy body. It tastes great and leaves you feeling refreshed every day. I drink a cold 16 ounce glass of this amazing herbal non-GMO caffeine free tea every morning and I never suffer from bloating. It's as if I'm getting a gentle internal cleanse every day. A healthy colon and a healthy gut is the key to a healthy body. I love the pomegranate, but the peppermint is also refreshing. And just in time for the holidays, go to getthetea.com. Getthetea.com. And check out the Holiday Special Flavor Pack, which includes a one-month supply each of the Life Change Super Tea, Peppermint and Pomegranate Cleansing Teas. Life Change Tea is a unique blend of all-natural ingredients, used with great results for several years. They pride themselves on selling an all-natural USA manufactured product. This special blend aids in maintaining great digestion, and it may aid in boosting your immune system. It may also help cleanse your body from unwanted intruders. This gentle daily cleanse helps to prevent buildup in your colon, which is key in maintaining normal digestive health. Stay happy and healthy with Life Change Teas from GetTheTea.com. Use the code word UNLIMITED, and all your orders ship for free. Get your tea from GetTheTea.com.
0: Theoretical physicists say that there's as many as 12 hyperdimensions. Here are just three of them. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Pretty cool, huh? Uh, Here's an extra one. Conspiracy Unlimited. Hey, how about one more? Conspiracy Unlimited. And the great thing is we have six hyperdimensions left. Conspiracy Unlimited. Five.
1: Josh Peck, co-author of Afterlife, is here. I wanted to get back to out of body experiences for a moment. And you had a, a spontaneous OBE that was not related to a near death experience. Uh, tell me about that.
2: Yeah, I've had a couple of them. Um, and and see, this is this is how we know that, you know, God's in control of these things, because I've, I've had a couple of them that I initiated through astral projection um, and those, those ended up being horrible. Uh, during the time I thought it was fine. I thought it was kind of fun, you know? Uh, but it actually ended up opening me up to the, the spirit world in a way that I was not prepared for. It it actually is a big reason I became, uh, became a Christian and and gave my life to Christ. Uh, I was, I was in my waking, um, normal life. I was being tortured by these things after I decided to do this. So basically I, I had, um, I was learning astral projection and meditation. I left my body. I, you know, really long story short, I saw a group of entities, a group of beings, and they told me, you know, we had a little bit of chit chat, and they told me that if I ever wanted help leaving my body, I could ask them and they would help me. And I said, okay, well, thank you. I'll think about that. You know, I need to leave now, and I went back in my body. Um, I was raised in the in the in Christianity, so up until about. Uh, 12 years old. Like I went to church and did all that, but I, I stopped going and went into new age uh, after that. But there was still a little bit of that Christian upbringing that I had kind of rattling around in my head. And when when I, when I was back in my body, it just felt off. I, I, I had decided that that was too close to like praying to angels or something. I, I just didn't, there was just something that I was, I didn't feel right about. So I decided not to do it. the The next time that I tried to astral project. I couldn't do it, couldn't leave my body. Uh, and so I just ended up going to sleep and the next, it was like the next day, all hell broke loose. I mean, it was like the gates of hell opened in my house. Uh, we lived in a trailer at the time, but it was like the gates of hell opened and we were, um, it was, uh, me, my, my wife, we, we had just, uh, gotten married. Uh, Or this actually might have been just before we were married. It was around that time. But um, we also had an atheist roommate who was not an atheist anymore after this. Uh, but it was, uh, we were having, not only all of us having s- shared sleep paralysis experiences, but we were seeing shadow beings in the middle of the day. We were we were all hearing audible voices. There would be really loud sounds coming from like the bathroom. It sounded like a bomb went off and we would go and check and nothing was moved. Nothing happened. Um, that kind of stuff, stuff being knocked off the walls constantly. Uh, and and, and you yeah, have orbs, uh, we would see orbs. So it was, it was, we were being tortured by these things, and it ended up uh, getting to the point where um, I, I had to get some help, um, and I, I called a Christian friend of mine, and uh, he told me about the, the the power in the name of Jesus Christ, and so I gave my life to Jesus, uh, cast the stuff out by just using his name to cast these things out, and didn't have any problems after that. Um, but then after after a while it when, when I was uh, kind of new to Christianity or coming back to Christianity I was doing a lot of prayer and I, I was asking God okay I know these things are real so you know what what is the story here and I, I had uh, I had another out-of-body experience but this I wasn't trying for this like th- this wasn't me initiating it and for me I I, I left my body I, I felt like it was like, the way I interpret it, God took me, God took me out of my body. And I, I saw, I was in this like heavenly amph- heavenly like amphitheater, this large room. We were all looking towards the stage. And uh, there was like me and 20 other people or so here. And I just, I felt emotions like going through me from these other people. It was like, I was a sponge where I used to be a stone. That's kind of how I describe it. Um, and it, it, it just, it, it was completely real and it didn't feel like a dream. And, uh, then I saw this, this person, I don't know if this was a man or an angel, or I, I don't know who this was, just looked like an old man, came up to the stage and he started telling the story of, uh, Adam and God in the time that Adam sinned when Adam fell. And he, he was telling that story and he, he, he paused, he, he said, um, he, was t- he got to the part where God had to explain to Adam what death was, that he would now have to die because he, he sinned. And then he stopped for a minute, and he kind of smiled, and we were all waiting in anticipation. Uh, and and he, he, said, uh, he said, But God told Adam, I would rather lie down and die with you than be separated from you for eternity. And he stopped again and then he said, and that's exactly what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And when he said that, we all just burst into tears and worship. And I mean, it was the most beautiful experience of of my entire life. And as that worship was happening, Like, I still get choked up when I talk about it. It it was that powerful. But as that worship was happening, I started to feel myself come back. It was like I was moving backwards, but it was also like I was becoming—I was feeling, like, more condensed, like, more dense, like, more more filtered, like— like the the emotions that I was feeling uh, couldn't filter through me anymore because I was getting like too solid, too too physical. It, it's hard to explain, but but I, as as I was going back into my body, I realized you know I'm always going to have a piece of that, but I'm never until I pass on from this life, I'm never really going to remember exactly how that was or how to describe it, just that it happened. Uh, so those are the two kind of OBEs that I've had. One. The first one, the new age one, the the astral projection one was horrible and evil and brought a ton of devastation into my life for a while and the lives of the people around me. And then after I gave my, my life to Christ and got right with the Lord, the second one was initiated by God, not by me. Uh, it was God's choice, and and that one was beautiful and holy and just full of love and everything that's 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 beautiful about creation. So those are those are the two differences there. There's no way that we can force God to give us an experience like that. It's totally up to Him if He's going to do that for us or not. And if we want that experience, the answer isn't to just go and do it on our own, because we're opening ourselves up to these demonic forces. The The answer is to ask God's permission. And if he says no, then we just need to be okay with that. Um, and if he says yes, or if he just gives us one, even though we, we're not even really asking for it, we're just praying and, you know, wanting to be closer to him. Uh, and if he gives us one, then, then great. But, you know, the point of Christianity isn't the experience, it's the relationship with, with Christ. So I, I think that my experience there was, was just uh, an expression of that.
1: Uh, In the New Testament, there's a passage, I think it's uh, in the letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul describes what sounds an awful lot like an OBE. Can you tell me about that?
2: Yeah. So he and I I believe he says that, uh, you know, he knows a man. I I believe he's talking about himself here. Uh, and It was when he when he was. Stoned, you know, not not like not like with with drugs, but he was literally beaten with rocks and he had a what we would call today a near death experience. Uh, he said that he didn't know whether he was in the body or out of the body. He, he, he couldn't tell. Um, and I, I guess technically in my situation, I couldn't really tell either, because it, it, it felt like I had a body, like it felt like I did. I didn't feel like a, a wispy kind of spirit or anything. But what he described, um, you know, I love that passage, because he, he says that, uh what he saw there it was like unlawful uh to 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 speak about and basically what that means not not that there's like rules against it it's that he he couldn't describe it it's like it's unlawful in the sense that like human beings just don't have the words we can't describe it it's impossible and, and that's that's kind of what I went through. I can't, you know I can I can tell what I saw, but I can it's impossible for me to really convey uh the full scope of it. So Paul had a near-death experience um, and he got to see what he calls the third heaven. And I don't know if that's what I saw too. Um, I imagine uh, being that he's Paul, You know, uh, I imagine he probably got something uh, a lot more intense and a lot more real than what I did. I think what I got was probably just a a, a small taste of that. Um, And and other Christians have reported seeing and and feeling similar things as well in their uh, OBEs. But but even with him, it it wasn't... um, it wasn't by his own will. God just showed him this. Uh, Stephen, the first martyr, he even had, he even had a vision while he was uh, again being beaten with rocks, being stoned, and he he saw he saw the heavens open up, and he saw Jesus. No one else saw that. It was just him because he was he was entering into that realm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Bible actually does give credence to these near-death experiences and to these out-of-body experiences, and that, that's a big reason why I think Christians really should be at the forefront of this type of research, uh, because it, it, it's, I mean, it's foundational to our belief system that these realities are real, heaven and hell are real, and there are, there are hellish uh, near-death experiences. We have one in the book. Um, there are people that have actually seen and experienced hell and have, uh, and I believe that that's not as a judgment, it's as a vision, as a warning to, to go and tell other people. So we, we have some of that in the book as well, but, uh, but yeah, these things are real and Christians I think should, uh, learn to get comfortable with it and not be afraid of the New Age interpretations, just learn how to counteract those, learn how to, uh, you know, know what the Bible says so we can have answers to those, um, those, those New Age interpretations of like universal salvation and things like that.
1: Are there any circumstances uh, under which communication with the dead is uh, possible or allowable, or is it all a deception?
2: I believe it's 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 allowable if God allows it. <laughs> so um, if 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 it's something that God Himself initiates, uh, and I don't know how often He does that or if He ever even uh, does that, but if it's something that He were to initiate, you know, God can do whatever He wants in in His own realm, but. Uh, If it's something that we as human beings are trying to do, the the Bible is expressly against it. It, It's uh, called necromancy. And even even if it's that we just miss our loved ones and, you know, mom died a couple months ago and I really miss mom and I want to talk to her and make sure she's okay. Even that the Bible expressly forbids it because we can never know if it's actually mom or if it's some other spiritual entity taking on the the appearance of mom because that happens too there there are familiar spirits there are uh you know angels that can you know there there are there are fallen angels that can appear as angels of light i mean there are deceptive spirits that Kind of have some level of free reign in these spiritual realms, and there's too much that we just don't know about it. Uh, And we're not built to operate in that reality yet. We're built to operate in the physical uh, reality. So, you know, I I would never say that it's, you know, completely impossible. And I I believe that there are people who do practice necromancy, and maybe sometimes they do talk to their uh, dead loved ones. You know, we, we have a story in the Bible of that with the witch of Endor. But even though God allowed that to happen, it was still uh, that 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 was going to a witch and and trying to make this happen. That was still a sin, and it, it actually ended up costing someone their lives. So uh, that kind of thing can happen. It's it's nothing that I think we should mess around with. If I would say if if somebody really feels like pulled to want to do that, I would say take it to God and ask Him for one thing, ask permission, but ask Him. Lord, what are your feelings about this? T- teach me what your feelings are on this and what your preferences are. And if you don't want me to talk to my loved one anymore in this physical life while I'm here on earth, then please show me the love and peace and comfort to get through the rest of this life without that person. You know, sh- show me uh, show me through acceptable ways, through your word or, or through uh, the, the providence of the Holy Spirit, you know, s- something. Show me that this person is okay. Uh, uh, and 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 I think if we take it to God, you know, the Holy Spirit is the comforter anyway. Uh, you know our 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 dead grandparents or or parents, they're not the comforter. the Holy Spirit is and you know, so I think the Holy Spirit is more equipped to, to to deal with those issues than anything that we could do on our own. And then, plus all the deception that could come with trying to do those things on our own. So, uh, yeah, according to the Bible, it's it's pretty much uh, always not a good idea. <laughs> uh,
1: in certain Christian traditions, there is communion with the saints. These are people that have passed on, uh, and then there is also the uh, All Saints Day, I believe, where it is. According to legend, the souls, or the spirits rather, the spirits of the, the dearly departed are said to, to wander the earth for that day, uh, and whether or not they can reach out to, to loved ones, I'm not sure. What are your thoughts on on those two traditions in the, within the Christian uh, church?
2: Sure. Yeah, and you know, myself, I'm I'm a Protestant, and typically those are uh, Catholic traditions. I would never say that someone who's a Catholic isn't a Christian. You know, there are Christian brothers and sisters. If you give your life to Christ, you're a Christian. You know, that's that's all it that's all it takes. And um, if 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 I remember right, I believe the way that they interpret it is that. Because if we're in Christ, when we die, we're given eternal life. So it's not that you're speaking to a dead person. You're speaking to uh, a a brother or a sister in Christ who has eternal life. So I, I think that's the way that they look at it. I personally... Because You know, I'm a Protestant. I personally don't agree with that interpretation. But again, I would never say that, you know, they're not saved or something because of that. that. That's something that, you know, we as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, we can come together and discuss these things and even have friendly debates and, you know, try to figure out exactly what the scripture says. So while I personally don't agree with that interpretation, I do understand uh, why. Others do, and uh, like I, I, I get it. I can see it from their their point of view, um, and uh, I don't think that it has anything to do with their salvation or or anything like that. But I, I will say, if my um, interpretation is correct. Uh, and, and by the way, I'm open. If I'm if my interpretation is wrong on this, then I would want to know. Uh, and I'm, I'm always willing to have that conversation. But if my interpretation is correct, then there is a danger here that many of our Christian brothers and sisters are participating in, and that, that could have some kind of uh, uh, consequence. Um, if I'm not correct, then uh, I guess I guess I would be missing out on something, but um, I'm, I'm not sure what the danger exactly would be. It would just be that I'm missing out on something. But uh, so I, I kind of look at it like that. I don't think it's necessarily a salvation issue, but it is something that we as Christians should probably want to get together and, and figure out exactly how uh, God feels about this, you know, what the scriptures say, and uh, if these things are okay to participate in. I, I personally don't believe they are, but again, opinions are split on that.
1: You you often hear uh, people say, "Well, funerals are really for the living. They're for you know for the people that are left behind and and so forth." But I, I come from I'm a Greek Greek Orthodox. Uh, oh, okay. I mean, we 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 the funerals we believe are for the dead. I mean, we pray for the dead. We you know we light candles and we have memorials and we visit the grave thirty days after the death and we we believe in some way that we are um, aiding and assisting maybe the the, the, the souls. Journey, uh I don't know exactly, you know what 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 the mechanics are, but um, <laughs> sure. what what do you believe happens in the the moments, days, weeks after death? Do we just fall into a sleep until judgment day? or is there do, do we get a glimpse of heaven or hell after death?
2: Yeah, I, I personally believe, and I wrote about this extensively in the book, my, my personal beliefs. And, and again, I could be wrong on any of this, but, um, the one thing scripture does tell us is to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And, um, I, I don't, I don't think that necessarily has to mean that we are immediately face to face, like in a bodily way, the way we would think of it, but it just means we're in the Lord's presence. We're in that realm where the Lord's presence exists, where, where he is, um, um, and so the way that I kind of look at it, I, I don't I don't personally believe in in soul sleep. I, I, I that was something that I've looked into and I, I haven't been able to find strong scriptural uh, support for. But I believe that when we pass on, there might be a process there might be, you know, because we talk about in the book, uh, you know, people see a light and a tunnel and, um, you know, they 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 go through this. And and I believe that that all very well is, is probably true. I don't know if that process is the same for everybody, because there are people uh, who have had near-death experiences that describe slight variations of that, but I believe that once we pass on from this life, we do go to be in the presence of the Lord, and here, here's where where I kind of—I uh, I don't know where I stand. I, I don't know if we go to, to heaven. Let's say if we're, if we're a Christian, we give our lives to Christ. I don't know if we— Go to heaven, and then we wait there until if we wait there with with God, and we we wait until the time of the resurrection, because the, the Bible talks about a resurrection, um, and a a there's a judgment for believers and a judgment for non-believers. So I don't know if we if we just, just hang out there in heaven and wait there, or if it's something where we are like at the moment of death, we are literally pulled out of space and time. And we, we are just pulled into the next thing that happens, which is uh, if you're a believer, the judgment of believers. So it wouldn't, if that's true, it wouldn't really be like a soul sleep thing. And it wouldn't have anything to do with near-death experiences. Near-death experiences wouldn't be like that because uh, I I think once you're pulled out of time and space, you're not coming back. Um, But it's at that point where there is no return. Like, for example, some people describe when they have a near-death experience, there's a door or a barrier or a gate or there's there's some type of line where they know – just instinctively, if they cross that line, there is no coming back. And I wonder if that boundary, if that is like the boundary between uh, our three dimensions of space and one and one of time, and the rest of temporal and spatial dimensions, whatever whatever exists out there. So I think that it could be because uh, you know, my I, I lost my mom when I was relatively young. I was in my mid twenties. And you know, I I often wonder: is my mom in heaven right now, or right now is she at the judgment of believers with me? <laughs> and that's kind of an interesting thought when we think about uh, Ephesians. In the, in the very beginning of Ephesians, it talks about how Christ, uh, w- when we put our faith in Christ, Christ raised us up. Past tense, raised us up into heaven, into the heavenlies, into heaven, to sit with him in eternity, as if it was something that already happened. So if the time and space thing is right, if we're literally pulled out of time and space, um, even we as believers, you and I, w- we would be seated with Christ right now, not in some metaphorical sense, but in a literal sense. We're there now with Christ, because we, we're, we're pulled out of space and time. But we're also not there yet because we're in space and time. It's like, it's kind of like how, uh, you know, uh, Jesus is God incarnate. So God, um, you, you know, like God came down and and became a man as as Jesus Christ, but God never like left heaven. Exactly. Uh, and it, it's really trippy to think about, but it's those types of things that kind of show, it, it should humble us because it, it shows just how, how we're not we're not really built to fully understand this because we're not we, we're not working with extra dimensional brains even though our spirits and souls may be extra dimensional. So it's like an element of it we feel it's true we 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 know there's something there, but the the physical blockage we have the physical brain that the, uh, that filters our information it's it's like a it's like it blocks us from really being able to understand it. So um, whatever the case. Uh, I believe that when we lose a a believing loved one or or friend, uh, I believe they are with God, whether that means pulled out of space and time and they're with him uh, in in the judgment of believers where we all will be there together, uh, or whether it means they go and hang out in heaven for a while. I I don't know. The the Bible seems to say both because there's people who are martyred that are under the throne of God and they're asking God, how long are you going to wait? So it, it seems like... They're kind of hanging out and waiting. Um, But at the same time, uh, you know, to to be absent from the body is present to be present with the Lord. So very long way of saying, I don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. What what is heaven like? Are there any clues in the Bible? And is heaven the same as the Garden of Eden?
2: Yeah, I believe that that uh the the restoration, the the so we have the heavens and then we have the new heavens, just like we have earth and the, the new earth. So God at some point uh in in the far future, he's going to recreate everything. And that recreation, the new heavens and the new earth, I believe that is a restoration of the Garden of Eden, what 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 the Garden of Eden was always meant to be, with uh perfect human beings who who aren't Sinning um, and 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 all that stuff. But until we get to that point, I believe that uh, he, heaven is a kingdom. It's it's a it's it's a heavenly kingdom. It's like an empire. It's it's the the way that I look at it. it it's it's like if if I wanted to go to another country, you know, I, I have to follow that country's rules of admittance. You know, if I want to go in there, I have to have a passport. I, I and I have to know that I have to abide by the rules of that country I have to before I'm able to enter in I have to show that I'm not going to be a threat you know I'm not I'm not gonna get in there and mess everything up for everybody else and I, I think heaven in a lot of ways is like that I think it's a I think it's a a, a literal kingdom that that has citizens it has a king um, and it's just uh, it's just a lot bigger than anything that we have here on earth uh, but when we when we pass from this earth to the kingdom, excuse me, the heavenly kingdom, I think that the, uh, the whole entrance thing is going to be like similar to going to another country. We're going to have our passports checked. You know, we're going to see, they're, they're going to see if we're, we're allowed to actually enter into the kingdom and the Bible describes that uh, pretty well. You know, it says that there's going to be some that are allowed in. We're allowed to enter into the kingdom because, basically, you know, metaphorically, we got our passports in check beforehand. And there's going to be people that show up without a passport, without any credentials, and that those credentials are Jesus Christ. You know, that's our that's our entrance. That is showing that we are a citizen. Because if we're a citizen of heaven, we're allowed to enter heaven. If we're not a citizen of heaven, if we haven't uh, uh, put our allegiance. In with the king and with jesus um then we're not a citizen of that country and we we don't have any right to enter in and it says that there will be people who will be denied entrance because of that um and that uh there's they'll they'll be sent out into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth so the the great thing about this is the process of getting to heaven to to being a citizen of heaven of having dual citizenship between uh you, you know heaven and earth it's not as complicated as uh, the immigration process is here on earth. It's, it's actually <laughs> it's a lot simpler than that, thank God. All we have to do is just, uh, we, we just have to give our allegiance to the king of that kingdom. The king of that kingdom is Jesus Christ, uh, you know, God the Father, but you know authority uh, of, of God the Father is given to Jesus Christ. There's a whole trinity of God here, but basically God is the king there. And if we want to enter into his kingdom, if we want to be sub- subjects, if we want to be citizens of that kingdom, because he's, he's only going to let his citizens uh, of that kingdom in that kingdom, uh, if we want to be that, we are more than welcome to. He actually wants us to. He, he wants as many citizens there as possible. All we have to do is uh, do it his way. We have to accept uh, Jesus Christ as the only way into heaven. We have to put our allegiance Uh, with him, We actually have to have a relationship with him, just like, um, you know, with my kids, my kids are always allowed in my house, you know, of course neighbor kids. I don't really know them and, and I don't know what they're up to. uh, So I, I am probably not going to let them in, especially if they haven't done anything to show that they can be trusted or if they have, uh, you know, constantly like defaced my house or something like that. You know, if, if they've, if they've spent their lives basically showing they don't have an allegiance to me whatsoever. Well, well, then I'm not going to let them in the house because I want to protect my family. So it's sort of the same thing. God's not going to allow sin to enter into his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, because he's protecting his family. But the great thing is we all get to be a part of that family if we want uh, we just actually have to want it we just have to put our faith in in Christ and and uh, you know pray, pray to him have a relationship with him and that's really all it takes and all these other differences that Christians have there are things that we will figure out when we get there and in the meantime we can talk about and and you know actually have some fun conversations um, I actually don't know a whole lot about a Greek or a Greek Orthodoxy I think it would be fun for uh, may, maybe one of these days I can have you on my show and it'd be it'd be really interesting for me to kind of get your perspective on some of these things. Um, and, but, but what, what I love about it is despite those differences of opinions or interpretations that we as Christians have, the one thing that we do agree on, uh, as believers is that, uh, we, we put our faith in Jesus. As long as we do that, we're going to be, we're going to be in heaven together. So it, it is, uh, it is open and available for everybody who wants to be there.
1: Afterlife, near-death experiences, neuroscience, quantum physics, and the increasing evidence for life after death. Josh Peck, along with Donna Howell and Allie Anderson-Henson. Josh, always a pleasure. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you. It was a a real pleasure talking with you. Always always is.
1: (laughs) Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back to share a few details about an upcoming episode. If you enjoy Conspiracy Unlimited, why not become a Conspiracy Unlimited Plus member? For just $1.99 per month, you'll gain access to two bonus exclusive commercial-free episodes per month, plus access to my back catalog of episodes. That's over 350 episodes. To subscribe, just go to ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com and click on Gain Access to Premium Episodes. Again. Coming up next time, a documentary filmmaker discusses the mysteries of Hanukkah. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now.
0: A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com Blow your mind. That is all for now.